You're listening to MPB Season Pass with producer Liz Gill. I'm Jay White. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast. We realize you not, not might be able to listen to a show in its entirety. So uh, you get that podcast, you can go back and listen to a show at your convenience. You can also uh, download or stream our podcast from whatever platform you receive podcasts from and subscribe to us while you're there. I'd love to welcome to the show this morning uh, a former uh, a JPS great at Callaway, a Jackson Public School great at Callaway High School, Mississippi State, uh, all-SEC performer and a, a former uh, pro football player with the Chicago Bears and uh, a Super Bowl champion, also a member of the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame, Tyrone King. Good morning. How are you, sir? Good morning. Excellent. Um, let me ask you first, before we get into everything that you've done since you got through playing, I want to ask you about being a part of a winning culture. When you were at Callaway, you guys, uh, probably the best uh, JPS football team ever, uh, the 75 Callaway team, but highly successful at Callaway. You went to Mississippi State where there had not been a lot of success for a long time, and you guys turned it around, and you were very good there. You went to the Bears, where they had not been very good for a long time. And uh, with help from another Mississippian, you guys turned it around and you became the Super Bowl champions. What is it about the culture that you need in the locker room to turn a team into winners? Uh, well, you, you, you need commitment and dedication, and then you, you, know, you know you definitely need that one heartbeat. And first and foremost, you need a leader at the helm, on the field and, and off the field. Back at Callaway, uh, Charles Allman was that person. He ended up hiring Coach Odell Jenkins and Coach Bilbro, who had coached us in the seventh grade. He coached us in the seventh grade, and then, of course, uh, we ended up coming back over there in the tenth uh, grade. And so we already knew him. He knew us. And so there was a buy-in. Of course, you got to have a great quarterback or a quarterback that's a leader. And in all three of those teams, uh, you had Roy Coleman, who ended up going to Ole Miss. And as, uh, he was all American quarterback coming out of high school. Then at Mississippi State, it really didn't get turned around until we had uh, John Bond. And then, of course, our leader was Emory Ballard. And then uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Mack, although he was uh, – <laughs> Known as Jimmy Mack, uh, never know what he was going to do off the field, but on the field he was a true leader. And then at the him there, you had uh, Mike Dicker, Coach Mike Dicker, and Buddy Ryan, and and so then all three of those teams had great linebackers with Mike Singletary, Johnny Cooks, and um, and Clump Taylor. And so there you go right there. So basically, uh, they became the extensions of the leader, the head leader on the field. And uh, then you have a bunch of guys who believe and uh, they just believe you have to believe and I always talk about the the Christian concept where um, uh, Jesus has left us the playbook and then we have to uh, carry it out in the field of life there and yeah. so in those cases we carried it out on the field you just mentioned Jim McMahon Mike Ditka and Buddy Ryan those are three pretty headstrong guys uh, that often did not see eye to eye uh, you know they they fought some some pretty public battles between the three of them. How did they uh, exude themselves as leaders when at times there was still that conflict between everybody? 
Yeah, it was challenging because uh, when I first came there, I, I couldn't believe the, uh, the, you know, the chaos. So I, uh, I call it from chaos to uh, destiny, uh, fulfilled destiny, because it was chaotic uh, there where uh, the defense and the offense uh, strictly uh, didn't really get along, and and was, and you were like, hey, you better not get caught talking with one of those offensive players. Wow. And uh, it was strictly like that. But the common denominator is. When they put that goal in front of you during the first day of training camp, and that goal is to get to the Super Bowl and win it, uh, that's the becomes the ultimate prize. And and uh, regardless of everything that happens, that becomes the prize. With that being said, we had a lot of respect for each other. It's still a metaphor for life. Uh, regardless how you may feel about somebody, if you buy into the same goal, it's going to that's what you have to buy into and but you got to respect that person and that's what you got to buy into now 25 years later I, I was sitting next to buddy uh, at our 25 year anniversary and he couldn't wait to see coach dicker he kept saying is he here is he here and the great thing about it i was able to fly in uh my coach coach odell jenkins from callaway as part of his retirement uh gift because i felt like if it hadn't been for him as a mentor and our defensive coordinator and person who stayed with me uh, beyond high school, I wouldn't have never uh, made it that, to that level. And so uh, he was there and he had a chance to take pictures with all three of them. And wow. it was just a lovely day to be able to witness that camaraderie and to see how Mike Dick and Buddy Ryan uh, hugged and kissed. And I think a lot of people don't even know this to this day that they made up. And uh, it was a huge, huge presentation that we presented to the city of Chicago at our 25-year reunion. So it was sold out. Anyways, uh, they made up, and it was just a beautiful thing to see. And like they said, they never did it again uh, without each other. And so sometimes in life, uh, you have to go through things to really learn how to appreciate something. Absolutely. What was what was Walter Payton's effect on that whole the chemistry and the, the whole equation that you just talked about with all of those those big personalities and extremely good football players? Walter, uh, you know, he was a, he was definitely uh, the heart and the soul. And then uh, Mike Singletary came in and, and provided uh, uh, the piece right up under him from the defensive standpoint. But yeah. uh, Walter, his work ethic, uh, his professionalism uh, was second to none. And, and just to watch the way he handled himself from a superstar standpoint, it was just as good as you can get. Always gracious to the fans. And uh, he was a model for us how to carry ourselves and he was our leader no doubt about it and uh, I was glad that he was there when I was there uh, I lived uh, four houses up from his head coach Bob Hill so I had a chance to know him at the age of 17 when he came to Jackson State and uh, and and uh, just to be there to make sure that he looked after me and he did show me the do's and the don'ts of a big city like Chicago uh, one of the things that he would always do on our plane rides away, the uh, the older guys set up first class, and he would always have me come up and sit in first class with him. Wow! Uh, share with me some things, uh, his financial uh, uh, businesses that he was doing, and some of the do's and don'ts 
uh, about uh, getting involved in certain ventures and things like that. And at the time, he had Studebakers, uh, and we used to talk about those businesses uh, quite a bit there. But I just enjoyed the fact that he looked after me, uh, which provided me tutoring on how to become a mentor and just be there for people. That's pretty incredible. Did you ever run stairs with him at uh, at the vet there? His his uh, infamous his infamous <laughs> workouts we, up we, and down. We, we went out with Walter one time to uh, work out. And <laughs> we, were, we were wondering uh, like how much longer. He said until I throw up, and he meant it. <laughs> so we we never went back. No. <laughs> the two things we didn't do was uh, uh, work out with Walter and uh, ride with him because he drove like a hundred miles an hour wherever he went. I don't know if you ever heard about that, but he would just drive fast, fast, fast. No, I've never heard that. That's pretty funny, though. Uh, one, time, one time we were late. Uh, <laughs> well, I was late. I would have been late, but I was riding with him, so I knew we wasn't late. <laughs> <laughs> and it was drizzling rain, and he called for a police uh, escort. And it was drizzling, yeah. drizzling snow, and we were going like 100 miles an hour, and he was just getting a... Uh, he was just getting a thrill out of me being nervous and scared. And, <laughs> and man, we were flying, weaving in and out of cars. And I said, man, please slow down, please slow down. And then I realized that's not the right thing to say. Because every time I would say slow down, he, he, he loved it. He loved going a little faster. <laughs> uh, and uh, that was the f- first time I rode with him. So the second time I decided not to ride with him. And I found myself stuck in traffic. And, and man, I'm looking at the clock. I said, man, they're going to be kicking off in about an hour. <laughs> and then I see Walter zoom on by me. And at that time, I got in behind him. I got in behind him. And, and when we got to Soldiers Field, they were out there warming up. And man, but as long as I was with him, I, I was good as gold. Wow. How about that? That's... I, I was good as gold, man. So uh, uh, so that's, that's the great thing of being around a great person, following somebody who's worth following and somebody who's done things right because they, they they knew if he was late it had to be a reason yeah they, they just assume i mean i parked next to him as if i had rode there with him when <laughs> <laughs> we come back from the break we'll hear about the super bowl shuffle video and his beginnings in professional football. Stay tuned to hear more of this new interview we just recorded with double Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame inductee Tyrone Keys. That's all coming up on MPB Season Pass on Think Radio. this interview, we invite you to go to our website, mpbonline.org slash season pass to hear more interviews with Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame members.
Welcome back. This is MPB's Season Pass on Think Radio. I'm Jay White with producer Liz. We're listening to a new interview we just recorded with Mississippi legend Tyrone Keys. We heard a little bit about what Tyrone thinks makes a successful organization. And now we'll hear about the Super Bowl shuffle and how he got started in pro football. So after uh, after the 85 season, you guys win, win the Super Bowl handily over the Patriots. And uh, you make the Super Bowl shuffle video, which is a, it's a legendary thing now. And it has been uh, uh, there's been much talk about it and, and, and much made of it and uh, was was a big thing in the news almost instantly. Uh, it, I don't think things went viral back then. But if if they had, that was that was something that went viral in 1985. Tell me when you guys when you guys went into the TV studio to record the video, when you went into the, the studio to record the song, record your tracks there, did, did you have any idea how big it would be, or was it just something you were kind of doing for fun? Well, I never forget listening to the lyrics like uh, the week before. Uh, my roommate Richard Dent had uh, shared with me uh, the lyrics and the the beat. And man, I said, man, that, that beat sounds really good. That's going to be something. That'll be something. And then you know we said we're not going to do it because we're jinx ourselves. We we're we we're getting ready to play the uh, Miami Dolphins. Of course, we were looking at breaking their record of going uh, uh, winning um, consecutively all regular season games there and we were at the 12th game of the season and so it would not been good to try to (laughs) come up with that song and then as you see uh, as well as everybody knows we went to Miami and they soundly beat us 38 to 21 on the most watched game at that time in uh, Monday Night Football history so on the plane ride back guys were you know first of all in in the locker room that night uh, Buddy Ryan and Mike Dicker got into it and we had to pull them apart. Uh, Mike, Coach Dicker didn't like the defense that we were running. And, of course, uh, Miami came out in a whole different offense that we hadn't practiced. You know, they had Dan Marino rolling out, and, and guys were running loose because our defense was predicated on out studying you and uh, going off of your tendencies. And so, uh, and then everything that can go wrong went wrong. I remember a ball bouncing off of Dan Hampton's helmet and ricocheting 30 yards downfield and that more catching it than, and scoring there. So, anyway, it was a wake up call. And on the way home, uh, the word got around that we were going to meet in the studio at uh, 10 o'clock that morning, the next morning. We landed back in Chicago about 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, and uh, I uh, looked outside. I had my big temperature thing outside. It was 11 degrees. <laughs> I called Singletary and those guys just to double check. I wanted to talk to the two leaders, Singletary and Walter, just to see if this thing is really going to take place, the singing of the Super Bowl shuffle six weeks before the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> they said, yep. And uh, there's a picture and there's a studio behind the scenes. Uh, I just saw it the other day, Leslie Frazier walking in with his little baby, and it was actually 11 degrees in Chicago, and we went down there an hour away from where we uh, practiced, and uh, Coach told us we didn't have to watch film. We didn't want to watch that film. He was going to burn it up. And so <laughs> we shot, we went there, and, and uh, they asked everybody to go to an instrument that they were familiar with, 
and uh, I had taken piano lessons back in the day, so the piano was the normal thing for me to go to with the keyboards. And we went at it, man. It, it was about two or three, four hours. We were finished, and it was. And in, in the next few days, it was blasting all throughout Chicago. Wow! You couldn't believe it. That and quickly. Coach, and, and Coach Dick would like say, "What in the hell y'all just did? <laughs> he didn't know nothing about it. <laughs> y'all better win the Super Bowl." And Buddy said the same thing: "Y'all better win it. Y'all better win it. Y'all gonna look crazy." So right. Sold uh, the single sold more than five hundred thousand copies. It uh, it peaked at number forty one on the Billboard Hot one hundred and was nominated for a Grammy. Ultimate ultimately losing to uh, uh, the song "Kiss" by Prince. That's not bad. You'll no, take no. you take an L to be in the same category with Prince for a minute, right? I see. I never knew that. <laughs> that, that is really good. And uh, but the, but the key thing that brought us together with that one was um, when we decided that we were going to donate the money to charity. And so that was the common denominator. Instead of guys fighting over the contractual agreements, uh, that was when we just uh, shake hand deal on it. Now, whatever happened after that, but that was our deal as a team that we were going to, we agreed to, to not work out our own deals individually. And so uh, that was... And that's why Walter Payton's lyrics, the Bears are doing it not because we're greedy, we're here to feed the needy. And so uh, that was just perfect, and it ties in, and I share that story all the time with the young people when I speak to them. So let me ask you, we're about to get into um, the, the, the mentoring that you've been doing uh, since you retired. One of the things I see is that you, know, you were drafted in 81 uh, by the Jets and then wound up playing two years in the Canadian Football League before coming back to the NFL and playing for uh, a series of years before an injury kind of slowed you down there. What does it take to, to, to feel like or maybe believe that you have that dream and then you don't, and then you got to work some more, more than you've already worked for years and years? So to have that dream right in front of your face and then to not have it and be sent somewhere else to have to work back toward the dream of playing in the NFL again. The way it worked out for me in, in Canada and um, all those things that you just mentioned uh, took place is always uh, uh, one of my favorite songs, Ain't No Mountain High Enough and No Valley Low Enough. So uh, I would always uh, play that song and when I uh, worked out. And uh, I should have been the first one to in, invent the Walkman because I used to carry an eight-track player around the neighborhood as I ran. Wow. <laughs> and uh, always, you know, kept that metaphor. But going, going to Canada, Canada, uh, I never forget uh, going up and saying bye to Coach Ballard uh, my, um, as I was leaving, uh, getting ready to go to minicamp, and he said to me that uh, British Columbia was making me their first-round pick. And he said the coach is still in town, Coach Rapp, uh, Big Rapp at the time, and, and he said you should go over and talk to him. And uh, he said they can hone your skills, and at least you'll have two options. I ended up going to uh, the minicamp with the Jets. 
J.T. Watts was there and Alan Massey, who played with me, was there. And all three of us at the end of the minicamp there, I said, I'm going to take a visit out to Canada. They loved the city, and I ended up, um, what made me go up there was uh, the NFL was going to go on strike. And I don't know if you remember Vince Farragamo, Billy White Shoes, Johnson, a number of people migrated up there that year. Yeah. I decided to give it a shot, but I went up there and got injured. So what you're, and didn't get a, didn't get a chance to play but five games. And, you know, I felt myself on the outside looking in and uh, the dream was disappearing. And of course I was number one pick up there. It seemed like, uh, you know, me being injured and getting in, getting the training camp late. You know, it was the first time in my life that where I, I was kind of feeling uh, unwanted to a certain degree. And that's why years later I ended up befriending Refrigerator Perry in that same situation where there's a story about he and I, uh, me being a mentor to him, and when Buddy Ryan called him a wasted draft pick, and so I remember, you know, a couple of veterans pulled me in. When you get injured, you're not going to have until next year to prove yourself. So, and, and as a football player, you only get a chance to prove yourself on the field. And so the next year was a great year for me. So what happened is I ended up getting traded to Toronto uh, right before the season started. They wanted me to sign a long-term deal up there because a lot of their players were going to the USFL. And I decided uh, I wanted to do a one-year deal and not do it. And they said, uh, well, we're just going to go in a different direction. Now, that's why I didn't know what to do. So, anyway, I went to um, the coach called me, the defensive line coach, say, you, you, you're too good to play in this league. You need to go to the NFL anyway. So, I went to tell my friends in Buffalo about you. So, I went down to Buffalo. And Buffalo was saying, well, we got to work out something with the Jets. They still own your rights. I flew back home at the time. I was living in California. And so I got a call from my agent, and he said, well, the Chicago Bears would like for you to come up there. Vince Tobin, who I played for, his brother was the uh, GM for the uh, Chicago Bears. I went there. I said, man, this is a dream come true. i never forget. In the sixth grade, we watched uh, Brian's song with Brian Piccolo and Gail yeah. Mills. <laughs> and when I, when I walked in, the, in Hallis Hall there, I just, uh, it just started, you know, started seeing a vision. And man, all that flying, and then uh, Buddy Ryan, he said, "Well, I need to work him out." And he was out there with that pipe, and just me and him, he was doing had me doing all this running. Man, it was hot, uh, doing the up downs, and he didn't show his hand either way, you know. Wow. Uh, all I know, he said, "Man, you're gonna die in training camp." <laughs> 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 oh man! So he said, <laughs> "I said," but he didn't know I had just caught the red eye. So what he said is uh, you give him a s portions of his signing bonus weekly because I, uh, you know, I had already did six weeks of training camp with the um, with the CFL. So I had already been through training camp and man, I was tired. And then I had to go through another six weeks uh, <laughs> with the uh, with the Bears there. You were super trained up. <laughs> One of the things that Buddy Ryan had us do the first day of training camp too is we had to stand up and read. We had to read the playbook and we had to read portions of it. And then the next morning, I noticed there was a, quite a few guys, uh, they were gone. And, you know, guys are always sizing up other guys, whether you're on the playground or, you know, as kids, yeah. you know, everybody's sizing up everybody to see who's who's who and um, see what their competition may look like. So, I, uh, the next day, I said, what happened to so-and-so? And then the older guy who became a mentor, uh, Jim Osborne, Jim said, hey, man, they couldn't 
they couldn't read the playbook. So, buddy, his playbook is pretty complex, and if you can basically read. And so I never forget uh, when I was reading, and buddy, he said, "Dad, you, that was, that was pretty good." He's, I said, "Thank God, my mom was on me about my education." <laughs> <laughs> my mom's an educator and a school teacher. She taught she taught school for twenty eight years there. Yeah. So uh, she would always drop us off at the library there to read. So, anyways, uh, uh, to answer your question, there, uh, it was it was a journey to get to Chicago, but. All right, we're going to continue our interview with Mississippi Sports Hall of Famer Tyrone Keyes when we come back from this break. When we come back, we'll learn about his mentoring and the All-Star Sports Community Service Organization that he founded and runs. This is MPB Season Pass on Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. This is MPB's Season Pass on Think Radio with producer Liz Gill. I'm Jay White. Last week I had the pleasure of speaking with former pro football player Tyrone Keyes, also an all-SEC performer three times over at Mississippi State. And now we're going to hear about his passion for mentoring young students to help them get an education. Since you uh, quit playing, uh, you have been a, a mentor and a leader. Tell me what led you down that path, what led you into that direction. I was just wondering exactly how I got into it, but I, the dream uh, uh, penetrated uh, when I was in the, in school, and and uh, there was a couple of pro players that came by, Tommy Farr, who played at Mississippi State, and he came by and was our substitute school teacher, and and uh, he played up in the CFL quite a bit there, most of his career there. And so I ended up spending a lot of time talking with him. Everybody was always happy when a, it was he and another pro player who subbed. And, you know, as a young kid, you just always excited to to, to, to touch and, and ask questions. And, uh, of course, now, you know, I just mean, I, I said to myself, if I ever do it, I would, if I ever get a chance to make it, I'd love to do that. And, of course, I run across grown men to this day. So anyway, that I sub with, and I looked in the uh, Buccaneer program most recently from 1986. I saw where they mentioned that I subbed at Lado High School when I was a player, and uh, and and most of the guys uh, I ended up 
mentoring and helping them navigate the process of going to college. They came from Lato, and so that's why I got started with me. But I ultimately uh, wanted to do what Coach Jenkins uh, did for us at Callaway. He would load up guys on Saturday mornings and take them on those college trips in his Grand Prix. And uh, I was in the 10th grade, man, and I never forget it. I never forget it. Uh, watching Sam, one day I want to be in that car. I want to be in that car. And then this past year, we went on a bus ride. We took the kids from Callaway and Wingfield. We took them on an overnight trip to, uh, not an overnight trip, we took them to Montgomery, Alabama, to the Civil Rights Museum and to a Legacy Museum. And then last year, we took them to uh, visit Alcorn, where he went to school. Then we took them to Mississippi Valley. And then uh, also last year, he and I and some of our former students, we were flown to uh, Oregon University where they're doing a study on longitudinal mentoring. And if so, we have a, what we call now is a multicultural intergenerational model, uh, mentor model that has, um, you know, that showcases Mrs. Hagen from 1971, Coach Jenkins from 75, and me and... Uh, some of my teachers from Mississippi State, where, where uh, we all continue to stay in touch. And we had students who were attending University of Oregon. One was uh, in the master's program, and then one was playing football up there. And so that's, uh, I don't know how many miles Oregon is from Florida, but that's a long way. About <laughs> <laughs> as far as you can get apart right there. Tell us about the All Sports Community Service. What birthed it and, and, and what made it take off, uh, I actually uh, I received the incorporations on the day of my grandfather mom's uh, birthday, which is uh, June 18th. Uh, never forget that. And, and it wasn't planned that way, but my grandma is, was a farmer, and that's why I use uh, a lot of metaphors from the root to the fruit and sowing seeds and bearing fruit since I played for the bears. And, and since, you know, I, we used to have to plant the gardens down in Sandersville, Mississippi, when I was a youngster, and then we'd come back later and be able to have our pleasure of having our own watermelon. <laughs> <laughs> I own watermelon myself, so I I watched that, and and then as I began to work with students, and well, the year I got hurt in San Diego, I ran across a gentleman who was looking for a, uh, a coach to help him coach the the school called Nazareth Elementary School, and so I uh, had the time on my hands and decided to give it a shot, and 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 I realized that was my calling. I mean, that was going to be my next calling, and then I ran across another gentleman who was a uh, owner of a juvenile halfway house and he needed somebody to come in in the evenings after 8 o'clock to 12 and and then I realized I had another call and then doing that hanging around kids who felt like it, the dream was had ended not knowing how to get restarted after coming back to uh, Florida Leslie Frazier became my teammate Leslie Frazier who's a member of the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame he became a, uh, yeah. a head coach at Trinity College and uh, he asked me to come up and coach that summer from there, we develop a pipeline of schools uh, in Tampa, and I end up coaching at Tampa Catholic. There was a couple of students who uh, one of the kickers he didn't he got overlooked, and Leslie signed him, and he met his wife up there, and they got six kids. And, and uh, <laughs> I had a number of students there go to school up there, and Leslie was a great mentor to them. And and from there, you know, it just kept evolving, evolving, and 
as I said, what lit fire to it was one of the, my personal kids from Lado High School. He was shot, shot and killed uh, in a, in a, at a block party one summer. You know, nobody in his community knew how to navigate him out of that community. And he shared with me what was going to happen had he stayed there, and it, it ultimately happened. After that, I met a gentleman by the name of Jerry Um Dodge, Jerry Um, who owned the Dodge dealership there. And he said, well, you know, I want to help kids uh, be, be a hand up. Uh, I want to give them a hand up by giving them a summer job. But he said, only if you come down and, and, and mentor once a week with them, you know, see how things are going and you report back to me. And so that summer, we ended up, uh, he hired two kids, uh, T.J. Lewis and Eric Hayes. They both were basketball players, and they, they thought they, they came down here in their dress attire. They thought they were going to be selling cars, but <laughs> when I came back down there, they were covered with oil. <laughs> they were back there cleaning up oil and stains and everything. And, and I said, man, they're going to quit this job. But they persevered, and they ended up doing a great job. Mr. Um loved it, and uh, he said, man. And this has been great. This has been great. So uh, a week later, I came down there to see him once they got in college, and he wasn't there. And I came back again. He was not there. So I, uh, I wrote him a letter just thanking him for what he had done. I never knew people like him existed. And about three days later, I got a call from his son. He said, my dad, I want to let you know my dad got the letter. And uh, I just want to let you know he passed last night. And But I just want no, one of the things we really like to ask you that in lieu of flowers, we'd like to send the contributions. Uh, we'd like to have all the uh, Dodge dealerships in the Southeast send contributions to you instead of to flowers. And man, you know, that just, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. Right. And, and when I went to his service, his son, the uh, spoke at the, as a eulogy, and he just reached in his back pocket and, and he read that letter letter verbatim what I had written and then uh, it like time stood still and uh, I said they really <laughs> these people really want me to do a foundation I can't believe it they hear me need to believe in me like this and you know I wanted to be a good steward to everybody who was sending stuff and and uh, I just kept Mr. Allen's picture on my desk a lot of hot days is me and and another lady Gilda Hobby we were working at the uh, Holiday Inn Express uh, suites that, that we had rented about $250 we rented uh, they turned the uh, room into a suite there and we were just uh, we just just had that picture on that, that desk every morning just saying speak, speak to me let me know what to do and that's how I got started and a thousand kids later and then NFL players started coming by uh, Derrick Brooks uh, Mike Allstott wow. Eric Curry Mike Singletary one time we didn't have nothing left Mike Singletary called me in 1995 he'd say uh, I'm playing in a golf tournament and they want us to donate to our favorite charity he said I chose you and I, I hadn't talked to him in years since he and I had played <laughs> and, uh, wow. and so that I came through, and then when he got uh, uh, enshrined into uh, NFL Hall of Fame, 
the same thing occurred, and uh, he made a contribution as well, $10,000. And so what we did there on both cases, we identified some kids from Chicago, and I uh, began to mentor kids from Chicago, and and uh, that's how we got started. And then Leroy Selman, when he got inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1995, he, he provided scholarships, uh, endowments, endowment scholarships for us that we give out a couple scholarships per year. And then we do it under him and Walter because Walter came down to help him kick off the uh, – kick off the uh, program at University of South Florida. He wanted me to call Walter, and Walter came down, and and I loved the way uh, one of the things that Walter did before he spoke, he would come through the uh, kitchen, and, you know, everybody, you know, when his name is being introduced, they look for him someplace else, but he comes through the kitchen, and his explanation is, hey, those guys uh, are like the offensive linemen. You know, a lot of offensive linemen helped me get to – uh, to become the leading rusher, but nobody knows their names. So I go make I always make sure I go back there and uh, uh, and acknowledge them because they help the night they help make the night possible. And so that's what I try to do with teachers. I try to I, I know that teachers make all dreams possible, and so I always highlight the teachers and we give out scholarships to aspiring teachers every year. And uh, so a lot of what I learn I learn from the culture of being around champions. Absolutely. Um, let me ask you about the, the, the teachers thing specifically. I know you, you talked a lot about mentoring uh, kids and, and uh, you know, getting them into college and having them, you know, kind of help navigating their way through college. But as you touched on right there, I know specifically, uh, you know, you've had some, some, some teachers that have made a huge impact on you, obviously. Uh, what is it that, that you try to do specifically to, to kind of put the people who you think may have the right skill set into that pipeline to be a teacher and educator? Well, what happened is, um, uh, okay, in 19, another thing that happened in 95 and 93 with the young men, you know, they all aspired to be a professional athlete. And so uh, when I was meeting them, they, they that's what they wanted to do. But then when they graduated, we had two guys, for instance, uh, Jasmine Tremel and Melvin Williams. They both went to Mississippi Valley, and I attended their graduation. Have you been to Mississippi Valley before? I have, yeah. Well, I when I started driving up there, <laughs> I started crying because I could not. I had never seen that that part of the country, man. I couldn't believe they stayed up there. That's what I mean. Coming from where they came from in Florida, from the beaches and stuff. I just, yeah. I That's culture it. shock, to be sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. I did. I, I mean, I just couldn't believe that they endured and never complained. And uh, I went to the graduation, and uh, he got a shot with the Dallas Cowboys. I'll never forget. I, I decided he was uh, on our way back. I drove him back to Jackson, him and his dad. And, of course, uh, and uh, he, he was so excited about that Cowboy opportunity. He was with his fiance. And uh, we drove. You came here, and then after that didn't transpire, he didn't make the team. He contacted me about uh, 
Uh, he said, man, I would like to do what you do. I said, well, you know, what about education? He said, yeah, yeah, okay. And so we uh, drove him around to a lot of schools, and they both got hired. And today they both principals. And so they kept competing. I said, well, just don't be a teacher. Just keep using that same competitive spirit that you uh, did when you became captain up there at Mississippi Valley. Keep doing that. Y'all keep competing against each other. Go to classes. Uh, I mean, take, go for your masters and keep going. Keep Don't just be a school teacher. And so, uh, I mean, just keep competing and see how far you go. And so they're both principals now. With that being said, that's what the method. Just don't be satisfied. Just keep keep learning. Keep putting yourself in a position to where you can sit at the table and you can make changes at your own school. When we come back, we'll finish our interview with former Mississippi State and Chicago Bear, amongst other pro football teams, players Tyrone Key, Keys, excuse me. You'll hear the surprising reason he had a special devotion to the football field in Starkville and also the one in Jackson, the Mississippi Veterans Memorial Stadium. You're listening to MPB Season Pass on Think Radio. We'll be back. enjoyed this interview, we invite you to go to our website, mpbonline.org slash season pass to hear more interviews with Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame members. Welcome back. This is MPB Season Pass on Think Radio with producer Liz Gill. I'm Jay White. We've come to the last segment of our interview with Tyrone Keys, a Mississippi athlete whose mission is passing along some of the great life lessons he was taught by coaches and mentors to others. We'll hear how and why he was he selected Mississippi State University. Before I let you go, I got to ask you, you just told me that uh, uh, you knew Walter from the time he was 17. You lived a couple houses down from Bob Hill. You played for the, you know, the great Callaway team at 75. How much grief did you get when you went to Mississippi State instead of uh, the hometown JSU Tigers? <laughs> Man. <laughs> I, hey, hey. That's one of those things. I don't know if, if God didn't want us to go through that grief or not because uh, Coach Bob Hill allowed me to use his Eldorado Cadillac for the prom in the 11th grade. I said, man, I know what he's going to want in return. <laughs> That's great. I know what he's going to want in return. And uh, he came back. I'll never forget him showing me Walter's contract when he came back from Chicago. I think that was in 75 when Walter got there. Coach Hill and I, we still remain friends. He kept saying, you know where you're going. I don't mind. He said, I passed by the house. Looked like I saw a Notre Dame sticker over there. <laughs> this and that. He said, but I'm not worried about because uh, I know where you're going. You coming? You go. I know. I know. At the end of the day, I don't mind you being recruited, but I know where you're going. 
And then somehow, I don't know what transpired at Jackson State, but he got fired in the middle of the season. Yeah. He got fired in the middle of the season, and he said, you better not go to Jackson State. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, perked up, like, what? <laughs> yeah, wow. <laughs> I didn't have nothing against Jackson State. I just wanted to get away from home. Uh, I want to be at home, and uh, and I thought Mississippi State would be just a beautiful opportunity, and Glenn Collins and Johnny and, and, uh, and Martin McDowell, all of us had talked before signing date that we were going to go to Mississippi State. We all met on recruitment trips there and we said let's go there and build something. And uh, being on that great Mississippi State team uh, and Coach Ballard coming there being the inventor of the wishbone what I learned about my football journey was most recently I was in a bookstore and uh, I saw the 10 most innovative things that happened in football. And three of them was I was part of. I was part of the Paul uh, uh, Papa Bear Hallis inventing uh, the National Football League. Uh, Emory Ballard for inventing the wishbone. And Buddy Ryan for inventing the 46 defense. Yeah. And I will take it a step further with Bear Bryant coming in our locker room after that 6-3 heartbreaking loss to them, breaking their 28-game winning streak and coming in our locker room and then putting them up on the podium and so he had something to say. He said that's one of the greatest performances that he's ever witnessed, defensive performances, and uh, he took his hat off and he said, "I got to tilt, I got to tilt my hat to you." I mean, for him to walk across that field where they were tearing down the goalposts, throwing beer on him, and this, <laughs> he felt it felt like he needed to do that. What was the response of the players when he said that? We were like in awe that he came in there. We thought he was going to say we cheated. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was really a fumble at the end. We didn't know what he was going to say. But for him to say that, that's the, uh, one of the greatest acts of sportsmanship that I witnessed. You know, because at that time, uh, now if somebody does it, it's because they probably heard somebody else do it. But uh, he didn't, you know, at that time, he does. Unheard of, yeah. Yeah. What was your role in that play, the, the fumble? Well, you know, I caused it, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it was a crash. I was trying to. I was leading you into it. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't. I didn't know. People ask me all the time. Sometimes, uh, uh, you know, they just know it happened, but they didn't know uh, what what happened. But uh, it was a long drive, and I always contribute uh, Coach Odell Jenkins to to the success of that play because uh, he started me as a as a sophomore. I wasn't really physically or in shape to start, but he started me in the Meridian. I mean, then later on we played. Meridian. It was a hot day like it is today in Mississippi, and and they was on an 18-play drive, and I got winded, got nicked on my ankle, and so this was a great time to get out of this game. <laughs> <laughs> so Jenkin came to the sideline and said, "Keep him in there. He ain't coming." And he said, "He ain't said that nicely though." <laughs> right. And so from that point forward, I I made sure that I was always in shape, and because uh, uh, Alabama started uh, throwing the ball at the end of the game. And I never forget Glenn Collins was in the huddle and everybody was chaotic and he was even we were sharing it the other night. He was saying that I said somebody gonna make a big play, somebody gonna make a big play. And everybody was like, you know, somebody said, Hey man, we had a good we played him good. I said, No nah, man, somebody gonna make a big play, somebody gonna make a big play. Because uh, Alabama's used to winning those type games. Yeah. And we probably we've been used to losing to them like that for thirty years, so uh, we came up with a, with a big play, and uh, 
it was just beautiful. It was a beautiful thing because uh, Memorial, Memorial Stadium was always a beautiful place for me to play because my mom took us there when Billy Graham came, uh, did his crusade there, and that was my first time being in a place where I saw integrated people yeah. together. And uh, he called it altar call, and that was my first time ever being on the field down there. And so wow. Was, uh, you know, Billy Graham would call you down at the end of his crusades there. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but that's what one of his things called people out of the stands. Yeah. So I always, every time we played it at uh, Memorial Stadium, I always thought about that. And so I always felt good playing there and just on that field there, just remembering that was first time that I can witness and seeing the combination. Wow, you know, so that turf, is a, that was a special place for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a way different meaning than probably just about everybody else had when they were playing football there. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. I mean, for me it was. <laughs> first time that I had came down on Memorial Field, first time I had been in the stands with uh, people of uh, all different races and uh, that was the first time that I had seen that. Matter of fact, I I, uh, I ordered that video. I still had that story. I mean, because they, they, you can order old crusades. And, yeah. And so I have it. I have it and uh, I look at it from time to time and yeah, and a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, is R.B. Brown. He's good friends with uh, Billy Graham. He went to Billy. He was invited to Billy's memorial, uh, Reverend Graham's uh, memorial service there. So I always been a follower. Yeah, I know that nobody makes it alone. You know, we all have a destiny, and I call it a divine destiny. And and uh, we just everything that we do. You know, you either can you meet the people that can help pour water on it and help you, you know, just, and you, y'all, y'all abide together and try to continue to do it, uh, develop a branch for another generation of people. So I, you know, I understood that, uh, my mom taking us all these places and, and then, you know, going down there, visiting my dad down there and, and he was a farmer. So we just had the best of both worlds and then being able to have our coaches, uh, who took it beyond the uh, classroom and where we still friends to this day. So uh, we're rolling. I mean, we're rolling with a whole other generation of people and just uh, sitting back watching them, you know, as we ride on the... Matter of fact, uh, uh, Coach Jenkins and uh, Coach Rundle, who coached us at Mississippi State, they met up, They met the crew from uh, Tampa as we uh, as we rode up to uh, Mississippi State from Tampa. We take a five-day college tour where we go to uh, Southern Miss, Mississippi State, uh, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson. Wow. And uh, for them to meet Coach Rondo, who at the time was 80 years old, Coach Jenkins, and, uh, you know, for them to see that one day that they would be riding on the back of the bus. And, you know, because now my former students are sitting at the front, and my former students, they'll be sitting at the back, and somebody else will be at the front there. Absolutely. Hey, Tyrone, thank you so much for your time today. What a, what a, what a great talk and an inspiring uh, story that you uh, have over these years. Oh, well, thank you for having me. And uh, I'm down here at the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame here. They mentioned that uh, we're going to be a recipient of the Rube Award. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that coming back, uh, uh, coming up soon here. All right. Thank you so much again for your uh, time, and uh, we look forward to talking to you again soon. Uh, okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. 
All right. Now he mentioned uh, he's there uh, for the Rube Award. That's the the award named after Michael Rubenstein, longtime Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame and Museum Executive Director. It's given annually based on one's lifetime contribution to Mississippi athletics. So uh, the winner is selected by the Board of Directors for the Hall of Fame. It'll be presented during the Hall of Fame induction ceremony weekend, which is July 27th and 28th. So that's coming up very soon. Former winners include Boo Ferris, Archie Manning, uh, Governor William Winter. Uh, Last year's winner was Ron Polk. So uh, Tyrone Keyes will be the 2018 winner. Uh, Tickets for the ceremony are available at the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame's website, msfame.com. And in that uh, Hall of Fame class, it's going to be inducted that same weekend. uh, uh, Billy Brewer, former Ole Miss uh, football coach and player. Anna Jackson, Murrah High School coach, longtime. Mike Jones, longtime coach and athletic director at Mississippi College. Uh, Boxer Archie Moore, uh, former Mississippi Valley State basketball coach Lafayette Stribling. And uh, Ole Miss track coach uh, Joe Walker, Jr. That's uh, the the Hall of Fame class for this coming year's induction uh, 2018 class. Uh, We hope you've enjoyed this interview with Tyrone Keys. Remember, you can always listen to this or other MPB local shows on our MPB public media app or online, mpbonline.org. For producer Liz Gill, I'm Jay White. Thank you so much for listening to MPB Season Pass on Think Radio. And stay tuned so the Remedy Kids and Teens with Dr. Morgan McLeod is coming up next on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. 